Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Luke chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 10 through 16. And the word says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Say he was in the synagogue. Say it. He was in the synagogue. Amen. And that means he was in the church, right? And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and was in no wise and could no in no wise lift herself up. She was she she had a, a spirit. The Bible says a spirit of infirmity and she was all bent over to where she could not look up. She couldn't even look someone in the eye. Verse 12 said, And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Amen. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and then them therefore come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. And then <laughs> he just witnessed a miracle in his synagogue for people that he was uh, responsible for. He was supposed to care about. And he witnessed this miracle, this woman, 18 years. And this is his response. And then the Lord answers him and says, and said, thou hypocrite. Wow, Jesus called, said it like it was, didn't he? Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day Loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, say daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And I want to speak to you for just a few minutes on on this subject. And like I said, this is going to be a part one because there's there's so much to this. Keys to the to deliverance for the Christian. How many knows we need deliverance? Deliverance belongs to the Christians. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, for what I feel, Lord, in, in your house tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you would you would anoint this word as it goes forth, Lord. Anoint the word, the word to the speaker, to the ear the, of the speaker, to the ears of the hearer. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would impart it to our souls and change us today in the name of Jesus. We'll give you all praise and all honor and all glory for everything accomplished. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have it. You may be seated. In Matthew chapter 10, <clears throat> Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. And I'll, I'll just read it. I'll just read it to you here. It says, When he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. But ver- verse 6, I'm going to skip down to verse 6. It says, 
he told him, don't go under the, under the people of Samaria. Don't go out, out, of, the bo- out of the bounds of, of Israel. He said, but rather go ye to the lost sheep of Israel. He was saying to them, right now, this deliverance belongs to this people. Amen? And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Now, this is commands. He didn't say try to. He didn't say think about. He didn't say pray about healing the sick. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Amen? So he sent them out to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He sent them out to the house of Israel, the people who had had the oracles of the Lord. Now, the Bible says that the the Hebrews were the people that God chose to deliver the oracles of God, okay? These people had the truth in their hands, but yet the the preaching needed to be done to them. The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? We were talking the other night in in Acts class, and and we were talking a little little bit about good and evil, and how that, you know that, that there is a personal, intelligent evil that's out there in the world. Do you know that? Do you know that we, we, we believe in God? We believe in God the creator. We believe in, and, and he created everything. He's, he's the giver of life. He's the, all, Bible says, all good things come down from the Father of light. Somebody say amen. But there's also an adversary of your soul. There's also an evil. There's also the flip side of the coin. Amen? And, and the Bible says in Acts, uh, when Paul was testifying to King Agrippa, uh, he said his purpose, what Jesus called him to do, was to open their eyes and to turn them from the darkness to the light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. In the Great Commission, Jesus once again said, the preaching of the gospel, he said, Go ye and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall, what? And hear you. Cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Understand that the preaching of the gospel is attended by casting out devils. Somebody say amen. You can't cast out devils any other way. Somebody say amen. Then by the word of God. Then by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember the, set, the story of the seven sons of Siva in Acts and how they, they were trying to cast out the devils. And they said, I cast you out in the, name of, or in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preacheth. And then the, devil, the devils in the, the guy or the woman spoke up and said, Jesus I know. And Paul I know. But who are you? Right? Understand that there is no casting out of any devils without the preaching of the gospel. Somebody say amen. Jesus came to restore. He came to put everything right. Everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden, everything that was lost in the fall of man, Jesus came to put it right. He came to reclaim the things that had fallen into the hands of the enemy and to put them back in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Now, many, I want you to stay with me because I'm really, this is really, this is really, this is huge. This, this, this. This is going to be hard for me to get out, but I really, really want you guys to pray for me. I really want you to pay attention. Mm. Many times in the scripture, illness is conflated with spirits and devils. 
right? Now, uh, let me just read you some scriptures. Matthew 4, 24 says, And they brought all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that, that had the palsy, and he healed them. Matthew eight sixteen, And when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out spirits with his word. Amen? He cast out spirits with his word and healed all the sick. Matthew nine thirty two. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. Amen? Matthew twelve twenty two says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. So, now, the, I want you to understand that when he healed this guy, he didn't have to send him to speech therapy. Okay, he didn't have to spit, send him somewhere to learn how to speak. He, when he healed him, he was speaking. He was seeing. Somebody say amen. Now, I have to go here just for a minute because if not, somebody's going to get confused. Okay? Now, we have to differentiate between organic illness, like an illness with your body, okay, something that's wrong with you, like the flu or whatever, you know, you get sick. How many knows we get sick? Amen. You remember in, uh, in Acts when, when Paul said, or I can't remember if it was in Acts, when he said they had to leave Demas? Remember, they prayed for Demas. Demas was sick, but he, they, he didn't get better. God didn't heal him. He didn't get better, so they had to leave him, right? Understand that being sick is part of being human. Somebody say amen. Now, uh, but understand the difference between organic illness and spiritual infirmity. Okay, now there's a, there's a big difference there, okay? Now, in, in John 9, remember in John 9 when the, when the disciples, they saw the blind man sitting by the way, and, and the disciples asked Jesus, said, who sinned, him or his parents, that he is blind, right? Now understand that sometimes things are just the way they are, right? He said nobody sinned. That guy didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. But he's blind so that the glory of God can be made manifest in his life. Somebody say amen. Now, there's organic, there's, there's injuries that we get. Okay? My brother injured his, injured his leg in the car wreck. And whether he, whether, whether, when he's, he's unconscious of it or not, he has a little bit of a limp. Okay? Because he's still healing from that. Right? How many knows, I got, I've got a bum shoulder. Okay? I've got. Actually, I've got two bum shoulders, but the, the embarrassing one is my right shoulder, okay? Luke and Josh, they all, pastor, they always make fun of me. We were playing softball, and I used to have a pretty good arm throwing the ball, but I have a torn rotator cuff now, so I kind of just, I mean, I feel the ball. I can feel the ball, and I go to throw it, and I'm like, because I cannot make the motion to throw, Okay? Am I embarrassed about that? Yeah. Okay. But it is what it is, right? It's, it's, it's an injury. Now, not every sickness is caused by spiritual infirmity. However, I want you to get a hold of this. Every sickness can bring a spirit of infirmity to your life. I said, not every sickness is caused by the spirit of infirmity, but any or every sickness can bring a spirit of infirmity into your life. Now, what's infirmity? Infirmity 
uh, in the strong, 772. It's a feebleness of mind and or body. It's feebleness, okay? It's a malady, frailty, disease, sickness, weakness, a want of strength, okay? Now, how many knows that how we approach things and our faith in the Lord and how we approach the things that come into our life can make or break our walk? Somebody say amen. If pastor decided to get down on the Lord because of his accident and decided to stay in the bed, not participate in his rehabilitation and just wallow in the despair that it caused him not to be able to get up, go to work, not whatever. How many knows the spirit of infirmity could have settled on him? Okay. Understand that I know mine's not near as serious, but if I dwelt on the fact that I couldn't throw a ball, if, if, say I was a pro ball player and that was my livelihood, and we, if it really meant something, okay? Church league softball doesn't mean that much, right? You know? I mean, I don't like these guys picking on me, but that's about the, the beginning and the end of it. I mean, I can't, you know, can't do what I want to do, but that's, you know, it doesn't bother my life that much. I mean, a little bit when I'm working sometimes. But I mean, understand that how we approach things that come into our life can 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 dictate what com- what else comes in with it what i mean is when you are when you're sick in your body and you let yourself fall into despair and the fa- your let your faith in the lord start to falter and you start to take upon yourself kind of a victimhood mentality okay there's that opens doors to the spirit of infirmity somebody say amen now i want to bring this this verse in because um Just because we have an illness doesn't mean we have to open that door, okay? There are times on this earth when we aren't necessarily able to live our best life, right? You've heard that, you've heard that, somebody, you've heard that uh, phrase, living your best life, you know, when the people post all the best, you know, the pictures and make stories up about what they're doing and how great their life is on the earth, oh, I'm living my best life, you know? Lord, how many knows that sometimes life gets you down and you can't live your best life? Somebody say amen. And how many knows thinking that way that I'm living my best life? My best life's yet to come. I'm telling you that right now. My faith is not in vacation and uh, getting to go on adventures and things. My faith is in the Lord, right? And my best life is yet to come. Okay? So whenever I hear people say that, I'm living my best life, I said, man, I feel bad for you. You're on vacation now, but soon you're going back to work. Right? We can pray for physical healing. Right? And God can't heal. Correct? How many's ever seen somebody get healed? I have. Amen. He can't heal you. Now, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know. How many knows that God sits outside of time? And God, see, the Bible says he declares the ending from the beginning, right? So when, he see, when, you're, when you're in your moment where you're in, you're in misery or you're in pain or you've got something going on, okay, you can't see the good that's coming out of this, God can. So we need to pray. You know, it's okay to pray for healing. It's okay, the Bible says, when they're sick, call for the elders of church and lay hands, right? There, that's right and that's biblical, amen? And that shows your faith that God can heal you. However understanding that if God does not heal you, that does not mean he is not God. 
That does not mean he is not able to heal you. That just means that he says right now that's not what's best for your life. Now, that's hard to swallow, right? That's a hard pill to swallow. Okay, God, how in the world, how in the world is this helping me when I can't go to work and feed my family? How in the world is this helping me when I can't lift, my, lift myself up off the bed? How in the world is this helping me? But how many knows faith in the Lord will quote 20, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that you have to, for me. Amen. Saith the Lord. Thoughts of good and not for evil. I know the thoughts I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of good and not for evil. That will give you an expected end. How many knows our expected end is to be reunited with the Savior? Amen. And whatever you got to go through here, that's small potatoes, as Trent would say. That's small potatoes compared to getting to be reunited with the Lord when, you, when, this, when this life is over. So understanding your attitude when facing these sicknesses, facing these difficult times, and I'm not talking, there's many types of sicknesses, right? Facing these things will open or shut the door to a spirit of infirmity. Somebody say amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? However, let's, I'm going to read this first. Romans 14, 17. We need to understand this. Now, the context of this is not what I'm talking about here, but it fits, it fits. It, 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 it shows, it, I'll, I'll read it and I'll explain it. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Okay? But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Okay? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Okay? But righteousness and peace. How many like peace? How many like joy? How many like joy in the Holy Ghost? Understanding that the difficulties that you're facing in your flesh does not, amount, does not come anywhere near the fact that you can still live in righteousness and in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. amen. Understand that your physical needs are your physical needs, and you need them, and you need food, you need drink, amen? You like to feel well. Somebody say amen. Nobody likes to be sick. However, that does, that does not dictate your righteousness, your peace, or your joy in the Holy Ghost. Or it shouldn't. Now, I had to address that because of what comes next. Okay? It's a much different concept. And we've just kind of, we've gotten on the on-ramp. And I had this little, little turbo sports car, you know. And I get on the on-ramp, man, and I pour it on. And by the time I hit the top of the ramp, I was going about 90, you know, and I drop it into fourth and go, you know. That's, or third. I give 90 in second gear. <laughs> you know, that's true. And no wonder I had, I've had 26 speeding tickets in my life, too. Yeah, I don't speed anymore. I try not to. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul. I've had a lead foot in my life, a pretty heavy foot. And uh, my driving record shows it. And for a long time, my insurance rate showed it. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of funny. The other night, uh, one of the fellows was testifying in Acts class that, you know, he had jumped through some hoops and he finally got his driver's license back. I said, man, yeah. That's a blessing, isn't it, having a driver's license? I had mine, but the reason why I didn't have mine was because I couldn't stop speeding. 
okay? But I've been there, all right? Now, understand that there are many Christians that are torn. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about people who uh, consider themselves seekers of the Lord that live in torment and have areas of their life that are that is possessed by spirits of infirmity. There's emotional hurt, right? Come on. You start thinking about that lady that was sitting there, and, and, and I could just see her in my mind, the lady that was sitting there in the synagogue, you know, and she had, she had something to happen to her, and it kind of knocked her down a little bit. And then over the years, she became more and more debilitated as one thing added on the other. And next thing, added on the other, and she couldn't let go. And by the time, before she knew it, she was bound by a spirit that was pushing her head down. Have you, I've been in places in my life where I could not lift my head. I've been in places in my life when I would come into church and I would sit and I would listen to the word. And I couldn't lift, I couldn't meet anyone's eyes. I've been in places in my life where, there's, where I, was bowed, I was bowed down spiritually. Somebody say amen. There's people that are living, that are, that are maybe even under the sound of my voice right now, that are living in the spirit of infirmity. There's emotional hurt. There's anger, okay? You get angry about it. Unforgiveness. You don't forgive who caused it, okay? There's torment. There's failure, okay? There's abandonment. There's victimhood. There's resentment. There's offense that comes into your spirit. These are all open the door for a spirit of infirmity. Now, how many remember the day that you came to the Lord? And do you remember when you bent your knee, or maybe you came back to the Lord, and you bent your knee, and you had finally had enough, and your spirit, your self-will was finally broken, and you were finally ready to pour it all out to the Lord. And you came and you poured it all out to the Lord. And you felt that cleansing come on the inside of you, making you new again. Amen. And I remember when they grabbed you and they put you down in that water. And you came up and you, were, you felt like a million dollars, right? How many remember the clean feeling of, being, of knowing that you had things under the blood? Do you remember that? Do you remember when you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you felt the Spirit of the Lord come start down in your belly and begin to erupt like a fountain up through your up through your being and to where we're lifting you up to places in the Spirit that you didn't even know that were possible, lifting you up to places that, that of happiness and joy and peace that you never knew and the time that you went back to your bed where at one time you couldn't do anything but roll around and, and fight your mind and fight your feeling and, and then it maybe sleep for a couple of hours from exhaustion. But how many remember the first night that you were able to lay down and you closed your eyes and the peace of the Lord in your heart and you were able to go to sleep? Do you remember that day? Do you remember that? I'll bet this lady in the synagogue remembered that day. Okay? Well, how do you know she was a believer? Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. Deliverance belonged to her. It was her birthright. It was something that she was supposed to possess. It was something that she was supposed to have operating in her life. Understand me tonight. 
if you if your your sins are under the blood and you're seeking the Lord, okay, all that's supposed to be under the blood. Deliverance belongs to you. Somebody say amen. Deliverance is supposed to be operating in your life. And what I mean by operating, there's constant deliverance. Amen. If you're following the Lord, okay, I've said it many times, you walk in the light as he is in the light, right? We have fellowship one from another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all of our sins, right? I don't care if you've been a Christian for two minutes or 25 years, okay? If we're both, you and I are both walking in the light that we have, we are in fellowship one from another, right? I don't care what you know, what you don't know. You're not saved by that. Understand that today. Understand that if you're walking in the light and in obedience, you're, those things belong to you. Matthew chapter 12. Let's turn there. This is called Thursday night Bible study. So let's study the Bible. Amen. Chapter 12, 40, uh, 43 through 45. Sorry, guys. I'm definitely not easy on the folks back there. I'm sorry. You've, uh, we've all read this. It says, And when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Okay. Jesus is talking about unclean spirits that have left their home because they've been evicted. The person that they were living in has been delivered. So now the spirit is outside of its home and it's searching. Then he saith, this, this is the spirit speaking. Then he saith, I will return into my home from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goeth, then goeth he, and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. Wow. Okay, let's take this apart. Okay, right now. Understand that deliverance belongs to the believer. And when you come to the Lord, the spirits that were dwelling in you or around you or with you have to leave. That's the clean feeling. You remember that? You remember the feeling when you didn't have that, that, that anguish in your mind, in your feeling. They have to leave, okay? But they don't want to stay gone. They don't want to. How many knows that? They don't want to stay gone. They remember where they lived. Amen? Now, he says, when he goes out, he walks through dry places. He's looking for another home, right? And he says, I'm going to try to go back. Okay? Anybody ever have something try to come back on you? Come on, let's be honest tonight. Anybody ever have old thoughts? Old ways of thinking? Old habits? Old people? Places? Whatever it is, try to step back into your life along with all the spirits that go with it. Understand also that something this tells us is that there's a hierarchy in the dark world about wickedness. Some spirits are more wicked than other spirits. It says it right here. Okay? Now, none of them are good, 
right? None of them you want to have hanging around. But if, if let's say, uh, let's say that I like to play on the swings when I'm in fourth grade, and there's a bully that comes and pushes me off the swings, um, and I want to get back on the swings, maybe I go find a kid bigger than him to help me get back on the swings. So this spirit might say, I liked my house. I liked where I lived. Hey, come help me. Let's go live there. It's really nice. You're going to really like it. Okay? He takes with him seven spirits more wicked than himself. Okay? Now, when they come to the door, okay, now, there's something has to transpire before they find out if it's swept and garnished and ready for them, right? The door is either open or it's shut. The door is either open or it's shut. Somebody say amen. What I'm going to talk to you about in the next few times that I speak is going to be about these doors that we open or shut. Understand that they're never going to stop looking to return. Understand that till the day you die, okay, there's a possibility that you could fall back if you let, if you, hey, I, I, am, I am one bad decision away from being right back where I was. I am one day of not having faith to being right back where I was. I am one mistake away. Somebody say amen. I tell the folks in the Acts class, just make a good decision today. Make a good decision today, okay? Now tomorrow you're going to follow it up with another one, okay? And then the next day you follow it up with another one, and now you're on a roll, right? You're walking away from what you don't want, and you're walking toward what you want. How? You're, you're opening, you're closing doors behind you. So now comes the ultimate question, and you'll, you'll, you'll get arguments from a lot of people, from a lot of preachers. Can Christians be afflicted by devils? Can they be oppressed by devils? Can they be possessed by devils? Can Christians need deliverance? Understand if you don't close the doors. Old habits, old thinking, old environments, they're, they're on their way back. I guarantee it, 100%. Jesus told you that right here. So what about new doors? Are there any new doors that we can open? So these old devils can find their way. You know, is there a back door? Is there a back door to your soul? Is there a side door? Is there a side entrance? Is there a window big enough they can crawl in? Okay. Now, I want you to stop for a minute. And I want you to open your mind. Because some of the stuff I'm going about to say, it might be a little hard to swallow because it was hard for me. Okay. So understand, I'm giving you a warning. But people that teach that be, having, being oppressed or afflicted or even possessed by devils after you've believed, they're teaching that. They're, they're closing a lot of folks off to ever getting help. Understand that right now. If a person has cancer and they live in a third world country and they have no access or they've never even heard of any type of cancer treatment, do they have any chance 
of being healed? Absolutely not. The first door to return is false doctrine and deception. Now, remember back in when we were reading the first reading, and I said, and in, it says, in the synagogue? Okay. This lady was in the church. Okay. Now, think about a synagogue. It wasn't the temple. In a Jewish community, they have a synagogue in their community. In each Jewish community, they will have a synagogue because they're not allowed to travel so far on, um, on Sabbath day. Okay. They could, they, if there's a feast day or a sacrifice being made, you know, they'll go the day before up to the temple or whatever, but on Sabbath, they just go that short distance to the synagogue. So all over Jerusalem, there's these synagogues, and Jesus would, I'm sure he would just pick and choose. I'm going to that one today. Okay, I'm going to that one over there next week, you know. So there's all these synagogues. So this lady was in the church. Now, so Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham, so she was a believer, okay? Now, if you look Jesus encountered many evil spirits in synagogues. Okay? Uh, Mark chapter 1. And I can just read that real quick. Mark chapter 1, 21 through 27. It says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Now, uh, was Jesus teaching anything new? He just read out of the law, but he would teach it how it was supposed to be taught. And see, by this time, understand that there, all the teachings, a lot of the teachings have been corrupted because the Jews at this time and even later and then until like the four, four, four or five hundred A.D., that they also followed what was called the oral teachings or the oral Torah. OK, so they had these um, they had the regular Torah, the first five books of Moses, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but I want you to understand what was going on, that they had the first five books of Moses that they would do their teaching out of, but then they also had all these oral messages and proverbs and things that had been, quote, unquote, passed down generation to generation, so pretty much the rabbi could say whatever he wanted, okay? You remember that game Telephone? Remember the game Telephone? Remember it? Where you whisper something in one person's ear and it goes down the line? One time in school, they, our teacher did that. Took a person out in the hall and told them a story. And then she went back in, and, the, and then one by one we went out, and that story was told to us one by one. And then the last person that went out to tell the story and came in had to tell it in front of everybody and compare it to the original story. Okay, now, I was always one that, you know, I, I wanted to flip it around. So I would say something that she didn't say or that I didn't hear. You know, I would change, put my own twist on it, which is exactly, you know, that's just human nature, right? Come on. So of all the people that this oral Torah or oral, the oral Torah, the oral teachings were handed down, handed down, and it was delivered that day, uh, and the people heard it, what, what, could, what word could you say to describe them at that time? How about deceived? Right? How about deceived? So, and then along about four or 500 DC, BC or AD, I mean, somebody decided they're going to write down these oral teachings into the Talmud. Okay? So nowadays in the Judah, and then came the Mishnah. Okay? The book of Mishnah. Then came Kabbalah and the Zohar. But all those things now are, are, are 
intertwined with the original Torah and Judaism. Okay? So to this day, the deception's still there. So understand that this lady was a believer, but she was being actively deceived every day on the Sabbath. Somebody say amen. Luke chapter 4, 33. If you've ever read any of the Talmud, I don't recommend it. But if you've ever read it, uh, the, the awful things that, that are said in there about Jesus Christ are, uh, are appalling. And, uh, yeah. So they get pretty personal. Luke 4, 33 through 35. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, okay, let's go back, because I, I missed my, oh, there it is. It says, and in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean spirit, an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice. So Jesus has all kinds of fun at church, doesn't he? He has all kinds of these encounters in the synagogues, okay? I mean, how many, what, what would it be like if every time we come in here, an evil spirit cried out, you know, to us, Okay. They've been so, they're used to be going to church, man. They're used to go being there, right? And then Jesus comes in, and they're all of a sudden, they're not so comfortable, okay? That's what truth does to you, amen? It says, and in synagogue, there was a man, and he had a spirit of an unclean devil, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? So here we have unclean spirits, um, and right, right now, the rabbis or the leaders of the synagogue are actively rejecting Jesus, and these devils are recognizing him as, as Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. It says, uh, Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. He's saying, Shut your mouth and just be quiet and come out of the guy. And they said, The devil had thrown him in the midst. He came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, says, what, what a word is this? Right? So we understand that all these things were happening in the synagogues. So, so uh, for, many of the, for many of the people here, you know, going to church was not good for them. Amen? And I have to say, you know, and let's, let, I'm going to skip through some of this because some of it's redundant. But I want to say that if your doctrine, the things that, if, you, if, you had a, if your brain was a computer or your heart was a computer and you went in and you clicked on the file that said doctrine... Holy doctrine, and you open it up and you start to read through the things that you believe, you got to make sure they're all in here. Okay? You got to, it's just a must. Okay? And then in the coming weeks, we're going get, to get, get into what happens when you don't, when you reject those things. But understand, you got to make sure that the stuff that you're hearing, how many knows that it's our responsibility to hear the truth? It is our responsibility to know what the book says. Amen? Uh, pastors use the analogy many times, the treasury agents that they hire, okay, to inspect, look for counterfeit bills. They don't teach them. They don't hand them all these different kinds of counterfeit bills. They teach them to recognize the real thing. And then when they encounter counterfeit, they know it right away. That needs to be us. Understand we know what's in this word, right? And it's our responsibility to know it, okay? Now, Peter, let's talk about Peter for a second. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. 
because you said, well, you know, you know, those people, the ladies in the synagogue and the guys in the synagogue, you know, we don't really know what they believed, right? We don't know really what they heard. We don't even know if they were, you know, whatever. What about Peter? Peter was with Jesus, right? Let's, let's talk about him for a minute. Peter. Let's start reading verse 15. You there? Yeah? I don't hear any pages, so must be. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And also I say unto thee that thou art Peter, or rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give thee, unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow. Okay. Peter's, got, Peter's like, yeah. Yeah. He's looking around at the other guys, you know. He's like, yeah, that's me. Okay. Jesus acknowledged. He says, look, flesh and blood, your, your own carnal mind, you didn't come up with that on your own. Okay. The Father in heaven Revealed that to your spirit, spiritually, it truly to your heart, and you spoke it. So Peter is speaking from the, from the Spirit of the Lord, truth into the world. Okay? Amen. Right? Now let's keep reading. Let's go down to, let's go down to verse, well, let's just keep reading. He says, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And verse 21 says, and from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now, let's look at this. It says, then Peter took him. He grabs Jesus. And began to rebuke him. He just got done saying, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay. And he just grabs a hold of him and says, stop. No. He starts to rebuke him. He says, be it far from thee, this shall not be unto thee. So in just a few verses, Peter goes from speaking from true revelation from the Lord to being an adversary of Jesus' work on earth, to being against Jesus' work on earth, to being an enemy of the cross. And Jesus says, and he turned and said unto, the, unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but, they that be, but those that be of men. So we, we've, what, what? I thought Peter had revelation, okay? But let's look a little closer. Now, Peter had been walking with Jesus. He had heard all the messages. He had seen all the miracles, right? He had spoken spiritual truths directly from the Father, okay? Yet, he's still infected by the rabbinic teachings about the Messiah. Now, what did they think about the Messiah? The Messiah was going to come. He was going to throw the Romans out. He was going to take over 
He was going to set up his kingdom. As a matter of fact, Judas was a zealot. He was one of the, he was a zealot. He was part of the group that was trying to overthrow the government, okay? And he, they, they were all, and Jesus, even though that Jesus said a few times, my kingdom is not, is not of this world, okay? My kingdom is not of hence, okay? And the times that they went to make him king, he, he slipped through them and went off by himself. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. They heard it time and time again, yet that still infected Peter's mind. Enough to where he would stand in, in offense and against the Lord. Now, <laughs> man. So he went from being holding the keys of the kingdom, okay? The rock of revelation being active in his life to being an adversary of the cross in just a couple, just a couple sentences. Okay, something came across his mind he didn't like. That sound familiar? Yeah. I've been there, man. I've been sitting there. Something came across I didn't like. Okay. Oh, you feel the Holy Ghost convict you? You go from the, go from the place, you know, you don't speak to anybody. You go home. You get the Bible out, find it, study it out. Well, it's there. Right? I've been there. Understand your attitude toward those things and your ability to know the truth from a lie is going to keep those doors from all your demons returning, from all those devils returning. Truth will set you free. It doesn't say good Christian counseling will set you free. It doesn't say a good dose of Valium will set you free. It doesn't say... Uh, well, good night's sleep and a vacation will set you free. It says the truth, you shall know the truth, and it shall set you free. Understand, if we don't love truth, if we don't reach for it with every day and every way of our life, we are living in a time where truth just does not exist. People twist and, and turn the truth upside down. The Bible says in Isaiah, he said the truth has fallen in the streets. Okay? Judgment has left the building, right? Understand, we're living in a time where you can't turn on the TV and get the truth. You can't listen to the radio and get the truth. You can't even read a lot of books and get the truth. You can't even look on the Internet. I've noticed they started, they've started changing things on the Internet, stuff that I've read years ago, and I go back and try to look it up and find it, and it's been changed. Understand, they're scrubbing it, man. So my advice to you is to get, if you want old reference books, get old reference books, hard books, and keep them because the, you're not going to be able to find them online much longer. Amen? Understand that you've got to love truth in every aspect of your life. Mm. Buy the truth and sell it not. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is what? He's unstable in what? How many? All his ways. Peter was exposed right there for being double-minded. Okay? All of a sudden, you know, well, I, I thought I was on the Lord's stick. Well, no, I'm not. No, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, I agree with that. Nope, nope. You ever seen people waffle? Back and forth, oh, just blown about by every bit of wind, oh, just unstable, right? Understand, you a lot of lot of lot of believers are like that. You talk to them, and yet they'll say some good, really good stuff. You're like, hey man, and then they'll come up with something that's way out there, and you're just like, Phew. you know, there's people that are that you know they 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 swallow the spirit of the age, you know, and there's this. The thing that goes around now that you can't speak about against any sin, okay, because you're going to offend someone, and that's not love, okay? 
the love, the not loving them is letting them go to hell. Somebody say amen. Okay, understand that the truth is the truth. Now, in Luke 22, he warns Peter again. He says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you. Do you know that Satan desires to have you? He desires to, for you to die the death that he's going to die. He doesn't, want, he, he, he doesn't like the fact that you have an opportunity to be reunited with the Lord. He doesn't like the fact that, that he, 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 doesn't, he, 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 he wants to have you. He desires to have you. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. You know what a, you know what a, a sifter is? Or a, remember a, like a, a sieve or whatever? I know when I worked in the, the coal mine or the coal plants doing, doing, um, doing uh, maintenance on the coal plants, they had this thing called a sieve. And it had these real sharp blades on it. And the slurry, the, the coal, they would dissolve this uh, magnetite in the coal, make, make the water thick. And the coal would float and the rock would sink and they would separate it. And then when the, the slurry would come across these sieves that were leaned back just at the right angle and it would cut these blades like cut the solids out of the water and they would go down you know that understand that he's saying look the devil wants to put you in that thing and he wants to shake you up he wants to shake you up and he's hoping some of your truth falls out amen he, he's hoping some of your truth falls out he's hoping that he can get a foothold in your doctrine he can get a foothold in your mind. He can get a foothold so that so that his 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 devils can come back and start to oppress you back in their old home where they used to be. Understand that if you don't hold on to it with every bit of, of every bit of what you have, that they're on their way back. Because he desires to sift you as wheat. But Jesus said, "I prayed for you that your faith fail not." Okay, there's going to come, and he says, when you are converted. So Peter had been with Jesus all this time, and Jesus didn't consider him yet converted. Understand that there's going to become a time, though, in your walk where you're going to be converted, and you're going to say, no way, no way am I listening to anything other than the doctrine of Christ. Uh, no way I'm going to listen to any lies that are spit, spit from, I don't care where they come from. You're going to be converted. And then what do you say then after that? Then you strengthen your brother. The ones that aren't quite there yet. Okay? You need to tell. You need to, you need to be the you seasoned Christians, the one that know the truth. You need to be on your toes when you hear, when you're talking to folks, younger Christians, and they start to get off on the left field here about this or that. You need to say, whoa, 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 let's look at the word. Let's look at that doesn't really say that. Let's let's look at the word. Understand that we got to care for each other. After we're converted, we're supposed to strengthen our brethren. Somebody say amen. It says, Satan desired to shred Peter. He wanted to chop him up. He wanted to have a part of him. Okay? Now, there's lots of things that can chop you up. There's lots of things that can cause you to be vulnerable. Amen? There's hurts and there's, there's offenses and there's, there's things that can happen in your life that can cause you to be, to be shaken or to cause you to be in that sieve, you know, rolling around. Don't let it go. Okay? Don't give up on the truth. Now, let's come full circle here. Luke eleven thirty four. Let's, let's, let's go to Luke 11, 34. I'm almost finished. Somebody say amen. It says the light of the body is the eye. Okay? Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body 
is full of light. Now, let's look up that word single. I looked it up in the Strong's. It means not split, whole, sound, and clear. Now we'll put that, just put that in your back, put that feather back here. It says, but when thine eye is evil, thine eye is evil, okay, evil, diseased or blind, derelict, which means compromised, pained or causing trouble, okay? When thine eye is evil, thy body is also full of darkness, okay? So let's understand here. That this lady that was sitting in the synagogue, okay, from the teaching that she was receiving, her eye was darkened, okay? The people that, all the guys, the, the men that were in the synagogues with the, with the spirits, Peter, his eye was not whole. His eye was not sound. His eye was not clear, okay? His eye was evil, and he was compromised. Understand that going forward, that the light that shines in your body, okay, he said, what does it say right here? It says, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. I don't care what sickness you got going on. I don't care what pains that you have. I don't care what, what kind of, uh, I know people have been through some awful stuff. People have been through some awful childhoods. People have been through through some, some unspeakable horrors in their life. But understand, if you're sitting here tonight and you have the light, okay, you got to guard your heart. You've got to hold on to all the truth that you can hold on to and keep your eye single, okay, because you want your body full of light. And I don't care. You, you, can, live, you can be sick. You can have an ailment, but you can still have light in your body. Somebody say amen. This lady had this spirit of infirmity. Jesus called it a spirit of infirmity. This wasn't just an illness in her bones, in her, in her muscles, in her, in her physical body. This was a spiritual impairment. And how many knows that if you allow it to happen, if you let your eye go dark, if you let, you let some, something that's not truth get in there and start to mess with the workings, amen, you, then your body starts to see the darkness. And then when those, when those devils have that open door to come back in, and you may not ever recover from that. You might not come back that time. Somebody say amen. We need to find a love for the truth. A love for it. We need to desire it. I just want to know. Through this whole process of this past week, you know, and, and really, um, I, I came to a realization a long time ago when I came back to the Lord. You know that God wrote a book? You know he wrote a book? You know he, I like to read books. I love to read books. God wrote a book. Okay, we have his word. Okay, and understand that sometimes our faith in the Lord, okay, our holding on to the truth has to go above your understanding. That makes sense to you at all? Understand, you got to say, look, I don't understand all this right now, but I believe it. Okay, I don't understand all that's going on right now with this verse, but I believe it. And then if you're going to approach it that way, revelation's going to come, I promise. I started reading the Bible that way, okay? 
and uh, I was reading, and I, I started just, just reading through it, and, and the Spirit stopped me and said, do you believe that, you know? And I was like, I just, yeah, of course I believe it, you know? And I was trying to go on reading, and, and I couldn't. And it said, you know, I, I really felt impressed upon the Lord. Do you believe what you're reading? So I started saying it out loud. I started declaring it out loud. That's truth. Read, you know, read the next one. That's truth. I believe that for my life, okay? And then it wasn't long, revelation flow. Understanding is not all it's cracked up to be, okay? The people perish for lack of knowledge, right? But with a lot of knowledge comes sorrow, right? So it's kind of that catch-22, but understand without knowledge of the Lord, you're not going to be able to stand. Amen? Stand with me, if you will. If you don't have to look very hard to understand that falsehoods, you know, lies reign. They're they're the order of the day, and people can, they let people can get away with saying one thing one day, and they say, "Oh no, we didn't say that. Uh, we said this," and then they roll the tape with them saying it. But there's no accountability for anything, right? Understand that truth matters. Understand that there's no such thing as my truth, and there's no such thing as your truth. Okay, there's the truth, and then everything else is our opinions, right? Understand we got to love the truth. People were being demonized and possessed by false teachings. Deception, any departure from what Jesus taught is a deception. Understand that. I don't care how they twist it or how they feed it to you, okay, and the dispensationalism or whatever it is, however they try to feed it to you. Any departure from what Jesus taught is a deception. And with it comes a spirit, and with it comes an open door to all your old spirits. Understand it. The doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life. It's, a, it's the most important thing in my life. I can't live one day without the truth. I can't stand one day without truth. I can't claim one promise in this book without the truth. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for each soul that's gathered here. And God, I pray, Lord, that this truth could go forward into our lives, Lord, as tough as it is to swallow and to understand that truth is all that matters. Lord, help us, Lord, to digest. Help us, Lord, to put it in practice in our life, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us to be truly converted, Lord, that we may be comfort to our brethren. God, I pray, Lord, each and every person under the sound of my voice would get a hunger for the Word of God, get a hunger for the Spirit of God, get a hunger for the truth of God, and understand that faith in you goes above our understanding. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The altar, all, these altars are open. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.